Welcome to Verbal Diary, the podcast, with your hosts, Cy Joblin and James Norton. Strap yourself in for the rants and bants. Uh, it's show notes, because I've got show notes this time. Oh, fuck, where are the show notes? Google. Do me to ping you it on... Hold on. Oh, I've got a message, or you've got it. Oh, it might be Are you recording? Yeah, we're recording. You're recording? I've, I've started. Okay. So we've got show notes. We've got show notes. Well, oh, fuck show notes. Well, um, it's a nice prompt. I don't, I'm not going to script this shit. So we're on. We're recording. Are we, are we, are we, I'm just reading the show notes. Are you just catching up? Yeah. You don't need to be ahead of the game on this. Hello. Like, Hello. I, I don't want to be ahead of the game. I'm not going to be ahead of the game. I'm now behind the game and let's move on. Let's go into it then, shall we? How are you, mate? I'm pretty good. It's uh, been a good week, I think. Has it? <sighs> no, not really. <laughs> it's been an okay week. It's, it was Bank Holiday Monday. It was. That's why it was a good week. Yeah. It's a four-day yeah, week. Four-day week. That's why. Um, and yeah, it's, it's been alright. Yeah. What have you been up to? <sighs> sure, I was thinking this morning, a couple of hours ago, that I had something really interesting to talk about on the podcast. Mm-hmm. What I could have done is put it in the show notes. You could. What I've That's done instead is completely forgotten what it was. Um, so, yeah, nothing much. Nothing too exciting. What about yourself? Uh, yeah, I'd, I'd, oh, actually, I'm going to print my uh, picture of the week, so I better not talk about it too much. So don't talk about it at I'll, all? I won't talk about that. that. Uh, so hang on, hang on. We've got show notes now. We've got show notes. So uh, is this another format change? No, no. Just some way to capture some ideas. So, so, so basically... Go Oh, I can't remember anything. So basically, the show notes are the are the are the bants that come before the article of the week. Pretty much, yeah. Okay, okay. So this is pretty structured bants. No, well, I'm not sure that they're bants anymore. Some some of these we might not want to bother with, you know. But let's thought, go through them. So the first one is the ton of tons, and for those that aren't au fait with snooker references, this was a pretty epic weekend for snooker. Yeah. Yeah. Did you enjoy it? I did. Yeah? I did. So I'm, I'm, I'm a big old snooker fan. Yeah? Have been since forever. Since forever. I'm going back many, many years. Long time, yeah. And uh, I was actually in Sheffield on Saturday last week oh. for the uh, end of the semi-finals. I saw that epic session between uh, uh, John Higgins and um, Dave Gilbert. Nice. Um, absolutely unbelievable. I was also front row. Oh, wow. It was... So I didn't realise you'd gone. Could have watched you on the TV. Oh, there you go. Nice. Um, so yeah, I was all over the TV. Um, I was on TV <laughs> the whole time, so I was sitting right next to David uh, Gilbert. Did you give him a little um, wink? And I, I did not. <laughs> it was quite interesting because I was right, literally right next to him. And for anyone who's been to the Crucible, you'll know in in Sheffield, the Crucible Theatre, where the World Super Championships is held, you'll know how small the theatre it is. Okay. And and you are when I say you're on top of him, you're on top of him. Um, I'm just going to show Sai a picture of just how on top, which I don't think I can put in the show notes. I'm afraid in the show, it was not picture of the week anyway. Um, and um, yeah, I was I was properly on top of him. This was me sitting in my seat, and you can see that Dave's seat was next to me. Wow. Um, and so um, yeah, it was it was awesome. But the final was it was it was shorter than I expected it to be. Yeah. And I think it was just a good demonstration of sportsmanship, quite frankly. It was, oh, it was um, incredible. It was just wonderful to watch. It was incredible. I mean, Judd was just, Judd Trump, he won the World Championships. He won the match 18-9. Yeah. 
Yeah. So John Higgins only won nine frames, but he scored four centuries in those nine frames. So he played really well. Yep. But Trump was just another level. He's next level, right? He's but he was on the de- on that day. Yeah. But well, the day previous day as well to get to no, the nine nil advantage. Well, there's two days. Yeah. The two days across the two days, he was absolutely epic. You know, it'd be interesting to see if he can replicate that because right. that's the best he's ever played. That's some of the best that's ever been played. Yeah, indeed. And taking home £1.2 million in this, in this year as well. Half a million quid he won. He won half a million in this competition, but he gained 700 over the previous yeah, yeah, competition. Yeah, that's right. That's right. He had a good year. So yeah, yeah, they even said at the end of the, uh, the yeah. final went, but the drink, on you. And he was like, maybe the first round. Yeah, I thought that was brilliant. <laughs> um, but the reference you've made is a ton of tons, because this is the first time ever that 100 century breaks were made in the Super World Championship. Yeah. So that was a bit I mean, of a under all that pressure, it just didn't phase Incredible. Previous record of 86. What a jump so as well. Smashed. Yeah, so I thought I thought it was worth putting in the show notes for a bit of balance because we both enjoy that. I do, I do. I, I, I think it's great, but um, it, that that'd be more of a snooker diary than a verbal diary. Okay. Uh, I don't want to alienate our non-snooker loving listener. They need to know who they're talking to, listening to anyway. Though we're, we're both <laughs> snooker fans, so we might as well make a point. So I strongly that. recommend heading up if you like snooker. Go to Sheffield. Go to the Crucible. It's, it's great. Well, we were planning to, weren't we, this year and then, together? Uh, don't, don't no, no, no I'm not. I mean, we had good reasons why we couldn't, but I was, I, I was very excited because it would have been my first time. Yeah, we'll, we'll do the snooker one day and we'll record a podcast Live in the middle of the snooker. the Crucible. We'll have to be the whispering verbal diaries. <laughs> whispering diaries. <laughs> good. Excellent. Anything else you want to talk to John on from the uh, show notes? There's a few I, I don't understand, so it's optional. It's optional. It's just stuff that I've seen through the week, and I thought, eh, I might be Thank worth you. You've done putting good effort. I mean, I think the the Facebook F8 conference, which is what you're referring to, one next, of the references, yeah, um, it is is only interesting in order to sort of make the obvious joke that they say they're all about privacy. Yeah. <laughs> Although their business model is all about what? Yeah. Your data. Yeah. So they're, they're basically saying we're not going to give your data to anyone else, but we're going to give your data. Absolutely. So. And, and yeah. the, the proposed new design that's apparently rolling out is a focus towards that, but you know. I mean, I thought it was hilarious that they showed on stage these designs of the redesigned Facebook app with no ads in it. Uh, yeah, for now. <laughs> and simulations, I noticed as well. There was weird browser emulators that weren't real browsers. <laughs> Suffice to say, my recommendation to anyone who currently uses Facebook is don't. Stop. Delete. Delete your account. Get away from them. Um, I have and I'd strongly recommend that anyone great recommendation before you do that make sure you join the Verbal Diary page and like that just before you yeah yeah just give us a like and then delete your account oh I think that deletes the like yeah Um, to be honest I'd rather have zero likes and see Facebook not be an evil corporation than for us to be uh, you know getting getting some likes I know it's very easy for us to uh, take more high ground but we've got a page on there I'm happy to take it off no one uses it really do they no no it's fine like if you have to use it for a business purpose, I'm not sure this is a business, but if you have to use it for a business purpose, I understand that. Brand for personal yeah. usage, I, would, I wouldn't I touch it. That's fair enough. Yeah. What's the other thing? The other one that caught my attention, which I know after previous episodes, was the John Wayne Airport. Um, today yeah. I learned. I, I looked at this and I was thinking to myself, um, and this was literally in the last minute because I haven't looked at these in advance. I was thinking to myself... Um, I wonder who posted this. Let me open up the Reddit um, thing because um, it's actually wrong. <laughs> Even better. I mean, it's Reddit, right? It's not always going to be right. I've only recently jumped on the Reddit bandwagon. That's why I was like, oh, what's this? So, 
why don't you tell the viewers, listeners, whatever they are, the, the um, what, what, what it is? I mean, so, dear listener, um, there was a Reddit post um, on the Today I Learned channel, is it? I don't know, threads? What do they define in Reddit? Reddit. Yeah. It's called a subreddit. Um, that pilots departing from California's John Wayne Airport are required by law to cut their engines and pitch nose down shortly after takeoff for about six miles in order to reduce noise in the residential area below. Now, we talked about, about aviation recent mm. episodes, and I've, I've been in the States recently, so pretty hot topic. <laughs> hot! Um, hot topic! Hot topic! Um, but yeah, I just I thought, oh, aviation gig, what do you think about this? Well, it's called noise abatement. Yeah. There are noise abatement rules at every airport in the world. Most, yep. Not every airport in the world has noise abatement okay. rules. Um, uh, um, not just California's John Wayne Airport. I don't know which airport John Wayne Airport is. Right, but um, great, though. Their, their noise abatement rules might or might not be stricter uh, than other um, uh, airports. But basically, um, they, um, the, the idea of noise abatement is that obviously airports, aircraft are very noisy, mm-hmm. uh, particularly when at full power. Uh, or close to full power, which you would be on a takeoff roll. That's certainly the fullest power you're going to get during your normal flight stages of a, of, of a flight, not the normal phases of flight. Um, most takeoffs are not anywhere near full power, actually. Okay. But they're the fullest power you're going to see during that flight. Um, and typically, it's about one minute after takeoff. So at, at London Heathrow, I believe it's one minute after takeoff. Um, and the, the, there's no need to pitch the nose down I don't know where that's come from um, that's a natural consequence of the fact that you have to reduce power right so you might take off at N93 so what that means is like 93% of max okay. power it, it refers to the rotational velocity of the fan blades in the jet engine um, and, and so you'll be at that level for a minute which will get you to maybe in a minute what 4,000 feet something like that maybe a bit less um, and then the engines have to be throttled back, so you might go from 93 to 88 okay. or 85. I don't know exactly what the levels are. Um, and then your nose will, will naturally pitch down because you have less thrust. Okay. Um, it's also in that part of the, uh, that phase of, of the takeoff um, where the, the uh, flaps will start to be retracted slightly so, okay. you can, so you can accelerate. And that will cause the nose to pitch down as well because the level of lift that's being generated by the aircraft uh, reduces um, uh, as the flaps come in. So um, the flaps are there to create a larger surface area for more lift. Okay. And you're saying every airport? Pretty, I think pretty much every airport. Yeah, I'm sure every airport has noise abatement. I don't know if this is an unusual level of noise abatement. Um, okay. This might have a greater level, maybe not. But everyone who's been on a flight, I'm sure you'll recognise it. You do your takeoff roll, you're pinned back in your seat. Um, you get up into the air and about a minute or two into the flight you can feel the pitch back you can feel the engines throttling back a little bit and you can hear it almost um, like breaking uh, because yeah you, you get that sort of like the aircraft feels like it loses altitude mm. in actual fact in some aircraft you actually do lose a little bit of altitude really for a few seconds yeah it'll go drop by maybe 100 feet but that's enough just to, a few <laughs> to, but that's enough to, for you to feel it inside the cabin yeah, of course you would. and then uh, the aircraft will con- continue to accelerate, and, and typically that's a combination of the flaps and the power um, being reduced. I thought I thought this would get your attention. You could explain it properly to me as well, rather than me getting some sensational headline. This does sound like from what from the comments on this thread, uh, from this on, on this thread on this subreddit, it does sound like um, 
that perhaps the noise abatements are particularly harsh at this airport. Possibly. Now, I've never really understood noise abatement fully. Um, part, part one of the questions I've always had, which we've never had a pilot on the show, so it's difficult to ask someone, uh, is once you're at three or 4,000 feet, does cutting the noise levels from the engine make that much of a difference? Um, but anyway, that's what it is. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah. Good, good post to find though. Yeah. But we should maybe do like an aviation segment every four weeks or so, Just and we should invite a pilot on. We could, we could invite, find a pilot and invite them on. I know a few pilots. You know, you well, know pilot. follow a few pilots on YouTube. Amazing. Yeah, we should definitely get in touch with them. Okay, last couple of points on the show notes though. Um, I was looking at the numbers, and we joke about this every week. We have one listener if we're lucky, but actually there was 179 listens to the show, all episodes last week. Wow, it, people are listening. So, for those of you who are actually listening, can you just send us a tweet or something, or a like, or a message of some sort? Um, hashtag, oh yes, I listen to Verbal Diary every week. Not long. I'll go for the long. But if you're a new listener and this is your first episode of Verbal Diary, first of all, welcome. Welcome. Uh, secondly, your hashtag is, this is my first ever episode of Verbal Diary. So hashtag, fir- my, this is my first ever episode of Verbal Diary, and you can tweet at Verbal Diary Show. If the, you think this is going to be your last episode of Verbal Diary, please do let us know. Now, um, one of the things I wanted to bring up that isn't in the show notes is, um, uh, I believe the podcast app that we both use, yep. Overcast, yep. by Marco Armand, um, had a really awesome new feature release last week or the week before. Oh, really? Oh, yes. Okay. Um, and this feature is the ability to share clips oh. from podcasts. Okay. Uh, and it shares it as a video, and uh, they're maximum length of one minute, and you can share them online, Twitter, whatever you want. I uh, just wanted to ask if anyone out there is sharing clips of Verbal Diary, please let us know. Tag us. If you share on Twitter, tag us, Verbal Diary Show, or at Nautils, or at Sign, yep. so that we can see which clips you're sharing. Um, and if you're not currently sharing clips of Verbal Diary anywhere, and you're an Overcast user, start sharing some clips. This clip is probably not a very good clip to share, the clip where we advertise the fact that we want you to share clips through a Very clips feature. Um, but yeah, um, it'd be great uh, if anyone is using that feature. Let us know. Let us know. We, it, it's the only way we're going to get some cool feedback on, on bits of the show that people either like or don't like or whatever. Yeah. I think I, I didn't realise that was a new feature because I sent a clip of another podcast to you using this. Did you? Um, the Grumpy Old Geeks. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, I didn't realise that was a brand new feature, yeah. but I was like, very easy to use, lovely interface, very simple. Well done, Marco. He's, he's a great developer. Oh, the guy impressed me every time. I find out tonight this as well. <laughs> Good lad. Um, yeah, I think that's it from this week. Shall we move on to the next? Yeah, I'm just trying to uh, think. Do we need some sort of jingle that we sing every week? Between segments? For the, um, uh, for the introduction to the show notes segment, the pre-prepared bands. I'm not sure that that's something we can it's have. It's a bit weird, I guess. It's a bit weird. Pre-prepared bands. There you go. Done. Sang. Done. Um, Ship it. <laughs> Let's move on, shall we? Let's move on to Article of the Week. Oh, I have to introduce you, the you, You're the singer, right? Article yeah. of the Week. Verbal Diary with Sign James. Beautiful. Absolutely gorgeous. So then, this week... You're describing me. Obviously, yeah. Not just your voice. Um, this week is your week for Article of the Week. Um, 
Do you want to take me through, through what you found? So I had three or four things, actually. Wow. I said to you I had two options, but you I actually had about four, possibly even as many as five options my Lord. for my article of the week. But this one really stood out to me. Okay. So for people who listen to this podcast on a regular basis will realise that I love nothing more than a rant. Oh, you do. I also enjoy swearing quite a lot. You're very good at that. And this article is fucking bollocks. <laughs> so I... fucking bollocks, that's um, it. But, but it really stood out to me because actually I really respect the guy that wrote it, uh, even though my description of it may not suggest that I really disrespect him, but actually I really do respect him. I respect his thoughts, but there are some, I believe, some clear flaws in his argument. So uh, you've got the link? I've got it. I've read it. Yep. So uh, this is an article hosted on Medium, uh, written by a guy called Owen Williams, who actually I've read quite a lot of his stuff and actually I think he's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, so, sorry, I mean, nothing against you on this, but this particular article, uh, I have to say, I think you're completely wrong. Um, the article's title is very, um, uh, what's the word, very clickbaity. Yeah, the title is The End of App Stores is Rapidly Approaching. Ah! Scream! So, yeah. Um, this would have been better if it was a, uh, the, the headline, if it was a question. Is the end of App Stores rapidly approaching? Which would allow us to answer it very succinctly as no. Um, well, we discuss it like we are doing now. Indeed. So, um,. Basically, the conceit of the article is that um, a technology called progressive web apps will replace native apps that you might be running on your phone. So, take your iPhone, your Android phone, and you, if you're on an iPhone, you're getting all your apps from the iOS app store, and if you've got an Android phone, it's likely that the vast majority, if not all of your apps, are coming from the Google Play Store. Yep. These app stores are, broadly speaking, completely comparable. They are very large, millions, uh, over a million apps in both. I don't know the exact number, but it's a lot of apps. Um, they give options for monetization, as you probably know. You pay for apps, etc., etc., etc. The um, both app stores are um, curated. They're they're managed by their respective owners, and um, they're pre-installed on your device. Kind of app stores, yeah. Yep. Um, progressive web apps are uh, is an interesting technology. It's been around for a few years, but um, mm. uh, has never really had had a high level of adoption. Um, and, and a lot of that is actually said to be Apple's fault for not supporting the technologies. But it's basically a bunch of technologies that allow you to do things like download a web app to store on your device. So you can have what looks like an application on your phone, but it's actually a website, and it doesn't have to load the website every time you open the application. Mm-hmm. That application can store data on your device yep. in the way that a native application can. In theory, you can do things like push notifications, and you can do things like uh, geolocation to find out where your user is. You can access the camera on the device, various things that native apps do. Yep. They're very easy to update. You don't have to go through App Store and App Store policies, um, which in particular on the iOS side can can be strict, um, although it's no longer really slow. Um, And yeah. they also work on desktop devices. Yep. So you can have the latest version of Chrome, in particular, running on your Windows machine or your Mac or probably on Linux as well, um, can uh, treat a web app as a progressive web app, get an icon on your desktop and run it that way. Um, and this sounds fantastic, doesn't it? Sounds idyllic. Write a web app, deploy it everywhere, easy to update, no app store politics. Brilliant. No firewall to get through and all that, yeah. Yeah. 
So Owen talks about this and um, he, he, he's a big proponent of this technology. Which is great. Um, which is fine. Yep. Um, and there are big apps that are progressive web apps. So Spotify's website is yep. a PWA, as they're known. Uh, Twitter is a, has a PWA and there's various others Apple as well. Now Slack is another big one as well. Slack isn't a PWA. Okay. Slack is an Electron app. Okay. okay. Come on to that in a second. So um, there's various different things that you can do with that. Uh, the PWAs that are coming in Chrome that Owen believes are going to change things. And one of the, one of the one of those is that uh, if you get a link to Twitter uh, on a website right now on your Mac, for instance, and you click it, it opens the Twitter website. But now you can set it to open the Twitter PWA right. if you're using Chrome. Okay, so it's only on Chrome that that works. Sure. So, um, so, so they look a lot like desktop apps or native apps on your phone. They're not, they're web apps and they sound fantastic and you, they're much simpler to build and great job. We're done, let's move on. Brilliant, we write the code once, we deploy it everywhere. It's really nice and easy. Uh, web technologies are quite easy to work with, very popular, very pervasive. Mm -hmm. JavaScript is the most popular programming language in the world. Let's get on with our lives and uh, let's do so picture of the week. Uh, uh, hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold on, Didn't hold on. breathe between those two words. <laughs> so, um, one of the reasons why I think a lot of people, including Owen, in my view, has got very excited about progressive web apps is because of the App Store wall garden. Mm -hmm. And it's both on iOS and Android. Let's not yep. kill ourselves. Even though Android allows for other app stores, how, how many people are doing that? Probably a very, 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 very small number. Um... He says in here, he's got a quote, I'm going to read from the article, web technology already ate desktop apps alive. Okay, so let's address, let's address these things. Those are the two things that I want to think about. Are progressive web apps good because they circumvent app stores? For, okay, I see where you're going. So for... Um, a software provider, um, yes, it's great. It just gives you a quicker, easier access to your customer. For the customer or user, less so, because that introduces a lot more risks around that as well. No one is policing these apps that go out. There's no sort of general rule as engine as software providers that we should abide to. Um, as we know with Facebook and Google and all those guys, they just do what they want and get away with it. It's, it's questionable. I can see the technical advantages of the of PWAs and from, from a, a techno, tech software provider, right? It's, it makes a lot more sense. Um, but I think it introduces a lot more complications for the, the user. Yeah, that's, a good, that's good. I agree with all of those points. Yeah. Um, I, I would add. I'm sure you would. I, I'm an app writer. Yeah. I write a progressive web app. How do I monetize it? It's fine if I'm you know, Amazon or Facebook or Twitter. How do I monetize it? Well, it's in your software, how do you make yeah. cash out How am I going to make money out of it? Out of your products that you deliver. I, I'm, I'm a notes app. Okay. How am so I making money? Typically, it would be a subscription sort of option, right? That's how a lot of these freemium solutions go out. They go, mm -hmm. right, download my free app. And if you really like it, pay a premium, you get some extra cool features that cool. actually bring you a value. So how, how is my customer paying for that on a progressive web app with no app store? So without an app store, then you'd have to connect with another payment provider, okay. which 
But if I'm an A to F? Okay, so when, I know where you're going with this. It's built into the platform. It's, na- it's native, right? And okay. it's secure, it's safe, it's all, you know, Brilliant. comfortable, so, right? Then I'm a Notes app. I'm an independent creator of a Notes app. And so fine. So I've now got to connect to all these different payment providers manually rather than it being built into the yeah. platform. It's a bit of a pain. Then, okay, so my users want to, let's say I've built an iOS app, that's, uh, or I'm building this for iOS, and I've got a bunch of users that got a Mac and an iPhone. And I'm doing a PWA. How am I going to share data between those apps? Well, you need to store that data somewhere, surely. Well, where am I going to store it? Well, what have you got? Nothing. Okay. Either I build my own data store, storage, probably in the cloud somewhere, yeah. which means that I might have privacy concerns, security concerns. It's going to cost me money to store that. I could possibly sync stuff using something like Dropbox, which is a third-party service both to me and to my customer. Yeah. But if I build a native iOS app, for instance, I can just use CloudKit. Yeah. Where I don't have to worry about the storage, I don't have to worry about security, I have don't have to worry about sync, I don't have to worry about any of that. Just does it. I just you. use CloudKit to access the data and it essentially is, looks like local data to me. Mm-hmm. So there's some barriers as an app creator. As a customer, um, I'm never going to install an app that has any sort of access to native stuff on my device that hasn't gone through app store security procedures. Which is why those triggers are in place, aren't they? You're waiting for... You you want Apple to approve an app that is suitable for consumption. And that's why those approval processes are in place. Correct. I couldn't agree with you more. I don't think it works for consumers. I don't think it works for independent apps. Well, I think this is what the problem is with PWAs. The technology is catching up to allow us to do this, right? But the understanding, the trust, the actual marketable part of that is not there yet. Yeah, absolutely, 100%. But I don't think the technology is ever going to be equal or ahead of native. Native will always be faster. And it will always get the features first. Never web. Especially when you're... So you, like you say, if your market are on Apple or Google devices, why would they give those extra features away in a PWA when they could keep it in their wall garden, allowing only the cool top end of the apps can go through the app store. You want to ship a PWA, great, but you're not going to get all the good stuff that we can offer through our own store. No, that, absolutely. Now let's address the second point. Web technology already ate desktop apps alive. <laughs> so how many uh, desktop apps have you currently got open on your Mac? Uh, I've actually just completely killed a load, normally around eight or nine. And how many web apps, websites yeah. in your browser of choice do you have open on your Mac at a typical time that you're actually using, not not, not just stuff so that you're using? you're saying like open tabs in... Yeah. That, that you're actually program. using, like an app? Oh, like an app. Um, so I've got Gmail, Twitter, or it was open. Trello's in the background, don't use it that much. There's some monitoring tools. You use Trello on the web? Yeah. Yeah. Not much. It's, it's there. It's just sort of a quick backup. But I usually use Tixit, which is a dedicated app, right? So I don't have a single website that I use like an app. You don't use... I use Gmail as in a web app. So I use web technologies inside other apps. Yes. And this is where we come to Slack. Yeah. So I use Gmail, but I use it inside an app. Okay. 
Okay, and I wouldn't use Gmail if I couldn't get the features that the app that wraps up Gmail gives me. Okay. So um, I use an app called Mailplane, which is just a browser view on Gmail, but it does like native notifications. Okay. I don't like the browser notifications, they're rubbish. I want native notifications. It does, it gives me an app icon with a count of unread messages. If I didn't have some of these features, I would just not use Gmail, or I'd use Apple Mail with connected to Gmail or something like that. Um, the only reason I use the Gmail web interface is because it's wrapped in an app. Apps like Slack are using web technologies, but they're native apps built using a technology called Electron. Electron is basically the rendering engine of a web browser. It's the, it's the, it's the bones of a web browser wrapped up in a native app. Electron is terrible, but lots of apps use Electron. It's, the reason that people like Slack do it is because you can build one application that works on Mac and Windows, and in fact, I believe also you can have Electron apps on your phone as well, I think, but, but certainly on Mac and Windows, you build one app, it's done. And it doesn't have to live in a browser, it lives in this application. Um, because an app like Slack and lots of apps, they want to be an icon on your home screen or an icon on your desktop. Yeah. That's very important to them. A nice um, environment, right? So he says web technology already ate desktop apps alive. I'd say no, I don't, I don't think they have. I think web technologies have become part of the desktop app experience and it's always the bad part of the desktop app experiences. Electron apps are terrible. Mm-hmm. They're very memory hungry. They're very slow. Yep. The Gmail web app is way slower to use just from a pure, you know, okay, I know all the keyboard shortcuts. I know how to like, navigate the interface really quickly. But compare that to an actual mail app running natively on your desktop, on your, on your operating system of choice, it's always going to be slower. Always. Um, and... Yeah, I'm not sure that it's eaten them alive. I think it's just become embedded inside desktop apps. The, the promise of PWAs, the promise of web apps being the future, started in 2007 when Steve Jobs launched the iPhone. And he said, and, and if I'm clever enough, I'll actually put a clip of him saying this into the podcast. Um, he said that um, when he launched the iPhone, there was, no, there was no app store. You couldn't build native apps. He said, uh, we have a sweet solution for you. Web apps, that's what he said. And we've come up with a very sweet solution. You can write amazing Web 2.0 and Ajax apps that look exactly and behave exactly like apps on the iPhone. Really innovative. It was, was it less than a year or it was about a year later? The app store came and we're about to die on the iPhone. <laughs> and we've gone around this cycle every few years ever since. When SAP came out, people were like, web apps! But really, it's what people are excited about is having the native features of the Electron app. Yeah. Um, you know, you wouldn't get proper notifications. You wouldn't have all the keyboard shortcuts working the way they work. You wouldn't have system integrations, and there are quite a few in Slack, actually. There are, yeah. Um, so push notifications into your... Yeah. So, I take it, I, I, yeah. What I would say is, just to sort of close this out, my, my oh, feelings on this article. Final thoughts. But let's close my feelings <laughs> on this article out. Are that I think, I think there's two assumptions in here that I would argue against. Yeah. But I think it's a really thought-provoking article. I think, um, I think it's quite interesting to think about, well, why hasn't web technology already taken over app stores? And has anything changed now that might make them taking over app stores more likely and I would say they haven't because web apps are worse 
particularly on your phone, mm-hmm. and they won't because web apps remain worse. That's a good summary, I think. What do you think? No, I, I generally concur with what you're saying on, on all that. Uh, on the article, I, I highlighted a few points around the adoption of PWAs. Um, there's a point about Microsoft announced in late 2018 that it would allow developers to list PWA-based apps directly in its Windows Store. Um, and there's also a point about Google, is widely expected to do the same with the Play Store by the end of this year. No mention of Apple doing this though, and where's the dominant market for mobile use? I thank you. Um, so, <laughs> I, it, it does come down to support for this. I, I, I can see the potential with what they're doing. Yeah, it won't ever exceed you know native app um, capabilities, but it does allow developers as well an opportunity to get into this a lot easier rather than going through the route of I want to learn iOS code, I want to learn Android code, whichever one they choose. They can just use web technology to get their head around app development, um, play with the idea of getting it onto a native device, and if it does work, then you should probably step into doing it properly. Um, and I don't think any of the big guns really will put full support behind these things. They're just trying to play with the developers to give them a bit of a, you know, here's, here's, here's something to try. We'll, we'll let you give it a go, but reality is they're not going to give you the full support that we really need it for it to take off. But yeah, good article. Um, the, the examples he cites are companies like Microsoft that they'll do anything to get apps in their store. Of course they will. Google, I'm interested in to see what, where they end up with on this because because they, they're known as a sort of webby sort of company, but at, uh, traditionally you know, they were, right? Um, but I think they just want to allow anything on their platforms that allows them to you know, serve their customer, who's obviously the advertisers who advertise with them. Don't yep. you're not the customer of Google. I'm not the customer, I'm the product. Um, and Flipkart is a, is a widely cited example, but they make money out of selling stuff, uh, and they're based in places with lower connectivity speeds, where PWAs might make sense, yep. on lower power devices with lower connectivity speeds. Yeah, um, anyway, that was... It's a, it's a good rant-induced article, I think. Very well found. And well, to be you. fair, like you, I, I follow Owen on Twitter, and I generally appreciate everything he does. Um, but I think that this article just caught a lot of people's attention, and rightly so. <laughs> good stuff, man. Right, so we done on that. Shall we move on to the next part? Move on. Move on to picture of the week oh that's not good enough picture of the week verbal diary with sign james better i've got thumbs up which is good we are still in the same room by the way the format we're doing like this i'm really enjoying being in the same room it gives me an opportunity to stare at you as you talk that shouldn't be a good thing (laughs) (laughs) i'm hoping you weren't implying that right then picture of the week is my turn this week um, I need to find this on my phone actually I just realised it's in the wrong place so I had two contenders for picture of the week one that I took at the end of last week um, I wanted to share with you but then something exceeded it this week um, in it comes I'm going to put it on our chat window and give it three two one send oh crap not like that sorry for the listeners this is terrible radio this yeah. isn't really radio, is it? Oh, we've talked about this as well, right? No, it's not. 
although it's talk radio. Ooh. Okay, so you received? Ooh, that's not what I was expecting. No, I thought not. So, um, the other night, I'd had a pretty good day in the office. I was going home, bouncing my step, thinking nice into the day. Walked up to the car and noticed a flat tyre. Now, uh, James already sort of knows this. I'm not a very good car person. Um, I see a car as a means to transport me around a, a places, get me from A to B. I don't indulge, I don't enjoy cars. I just see them as a, a thing. That, with that, I'm not very good at looking after cars either. Um, but I saw this and I saw a challenge. I could change this myself rather than call out recovery. And I did. I was very proud of myself. Um, so yeah, flat tyre, driver side, I dug out the stuff from the boots, found the uh, the jack, managed to work that out, get that in the right point of the car, got it up, took about 15 minutes, which I'll talk about in a moment, changed the tyre and um, drove off and I was very pleased with myself. I'm, I'm proud of you, man. I'm Thanks proud of you. That was the first time I've ever changed a tyre since I, was, I drove, started driving 15 years ago. So I was pretty impressed with myself. Going down to the mechanics the next day and they were they found a massive nail in there. I was like, great. I was like, I can prepare that for you now rather than you leaving it around. Cool, well, let's watch you what you do here. I want to learn. So I, I, I'm actually getting interested in cars and how to fix cars. He, he did a proper drill through the hole to get it nice and hot, get get the puncture repair kit on there and stuff like that. He had to go over and sort something out and I was like, I'll, I'll finish that off. You're just doing the roller around the plaster as well. I was very pleased with myself and uh, I thought this photo just captured the moment of this could be rage, I could be absolutely pissed off. Luckily the rain had just stopped before this happened. What was the jack incident? Right, so I don't know, every car's different, right? So you get the jack out and you have to manually get it into the right position, right? So I managed to get it down really quickly using my hands, got it under and I, you got like, it's very difficult to do this in a verbal sense. There's like a long stick with a hook on the end, which goes through the hole to turn the jack. Mm -hmm. I was like, this is a bit awkward. I've got to take it out and hook it every time to get the full leverage. It's too low to the ground to go all the way around. So I had to manually put it in, turn, manually in, turn. So that's what it took me, 15 minutes just to get it high enough to take the wheel off. Got down to the mechanics and showed him. He was like, you do realise the other part lets it. It's much easier to just get full leverage and you just keep turning rather than hooking. Your face says it all. It's like, you dickhead. <laughs> but this is it. I, I don't do cars. I'm not a car pack man. Could, could you get the screws off? Yes, the I could. Yeah, 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 I've got them off fine. Uh, with a bit of a jump on the you know, the crowbar, but they came off fine. And as I put it back on, I was really mindful how tight these need to be. really yanking it, getting it in. And again, I spoke to the mechanic going, you don't need to be that tight, mate. <laughs> so... But I'm learning. I'm, I'm quite. I'm proud of myself. The look on your face is giving me joy, right? Because you're so proud of yourself. <laughs> I'm, I'm so proud. proud. So, so what make was this tyre? Because I can't actually see. Oh, good God! Uh, it's at the bottom of the flat bit. It might be actually. It's a bit of a cheapy tyre, isn't it? Relatively cheap. It's, 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 it works. It's fine. Yeah, I'm not saying. Uh, we never go high in tyres. We always go mid range, not budget. Mid range. So what did you have, a spare, full-size spare or a space No, it was a half, half-width. Space over. Yeah, it's like big red, you know, yeah. central point. 
this is proves how little I know about cars. But funnily enough, when I drove off, blimey, I could feel the difference already in the, the quality yeah, of the yeah, tyre. Yeah, be careful. Be and careful. there's a maximum speed on these temporary tyres, yeah. like 80k, so I couldn't go my normal route, which I normally have to do like an A-road. Um, I had to go the slow residential route home instead. Well, I'm very proud of you. I think that's a, a wonderful thing to have achieved. It, it is. I mean, the worst part is I got in the car this morning and it's flat again. So... <laughs> Uh, the repair didn't, didn't work. I don't think it did. So um, I want to put some air in it on the way home to see if it is a slow puncture. Otherwise, it's going to go back in and get sorted. But you know, most of the journey was good. It <laughs> <laughs> actually wasn't repaired in the end. You are great into the story. But so so I, I changed my first tyre about three years ago. Right. I've never changed tyres. I didn't even think about changing tyres. Do you normally just go to... Yeah, yeah, yeah I was just going out to the recovery. Um, it was quite a funny story, actually. So I had a friend who was uh, visiting from abroad. Okay. So he was driving his mum's car, I think. And we'd been out on a night out. And because um, he was driving, he didn't drink. But I wasn't driving, so I did drink. And I was, I was, um, I, I was, I was, I was over the limit. Good. Uh, a long way over the limit. Okay. Um, luckily, I wasn't driving. But uh, yeah, I was, I was very drunk. And we were coming home and uh, driving along and I... I said to him, I was in my sort of drunken stupor, I was like, there's a weird smell in here. What's going on? And someone flagged us down. We're on a dual carriageway. And someone flagged us down. And this guy says, uh, yeah, your you rear tyre's flat and the alloy is sparking. And that's what I could smell. Wow. So we got, to, there's a, there was a petrol station like maybe about 100 yards away. Okay. So we got, thank God. So we got there. And we look at it, and it's just ruined. The wheel like, looked ruined, oh. but the tyre's gone. Oh, shredded. So we phoned up recovery, and of course he didn't have recovery, and neither did oh, I. Oh, no. So we phoned up, and they said, fine, it's 100 and whatever quid to join, Excess and we'll send now. someone now. Yeah. So okay, when you say now, they're like, it's a five-hour wait. Oh, <gasps> five. So we phoned a different recovery service, and they had like a four-and-a-half-hour wait. Wow. So we were like... Well, we're not doing that. We're not, and we weren't close enough to home to just walk home, leave the car, and deal with it tomorrow. Yep. And that's all I wanted to do was not be dealing with this because I was, I was this <laughs> So we were like, let's change the tyre. So we checked what the spare tyre. So we did the whole thing. We got jacked the wheel up. Well, of course, we couldn't get the, the nuts off, the, the oh. screws off the, the wheel. And luckily, there was this very kind uh, black cab driver pulled in to fill up with petrol, and he saw us. And we, and we said to him, sorry mate, can you help? Because oh, I, I think I said to the driver, yeah, well, I can't do it. <laughs> Something like that. Sounds um, a bit accurate. And he had this huge bar, like a long bar that he could use as a, as a lever. Leverage, yeah. And he, he managed to loosen all four or five. Probably, That's like, a man who's experienced it before um, then. <laughs> yeah, indeed. And I was like, oh, oh I love you, man. Uh, I said to the taxi driver. Um, <laughs> I wasn't going to leave my mate in the lurch. And, uh, and so we changed the tyre. And the, just, just the feeling after. This was like 2.30 in the morning as well. Oh, no. Um, no wonder they had no cool out for five and hours. The, 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 uh, the feeling when we did it was just... I'm sure you had the same. We were just so proud of us. We were like, oh, fucking yes. We've done this. Uh, we, were like, we, we were like kings amongst <laughs> men. Um, <laughs> You've done what most people should be able to do when you drive. <laughs> anyway, so, so he drove me home. Yeah. And I got in... Um, and I was so I was so excited. It was like three in the morning by now, and I was still pretty steaming. It's taken, taken us an hour and a half. 
to do this. We were so incompetent. Nice. And, uh, and yeah, I managed to wake my wife up. She wasn't very pleased. Um, but anyway, uh, that was it. Was one of my proudest moments. It is though. I mean, why is it so sad? I was, I was at the mechanics yesterday. I said. I work in tech and I love to build it but you don't build anything tangible I love to see how you guys just literally pull a car apart put it back together again and you can use it and it's such a satisfaction with that real world mechanical change you know like that's real engineering well yeah I'm glad we both got good <laughs> flat tyre stories is that our, actually is that a title episode title flat tyre I don't know I don't know oh, I don't know I don't know I don't know I'm so, um, I was wondering then I've not heard any phrases what about the repair didn't take the repair didn't take mm. it's a bit long darling <laughs> um, <laughs> no one ever complains about it being too long uh, uh, what, what, what about what about pre-prepared bands pre-prepared bands that's not bad we could use that We'll have to work it out in the edit. It's always in the edit. We get a name, and, and what it's never in the edit. It's, through, it's, it's when everything's done. You're like, oh, what are we actually calling it? You, you've already come up with an idea, and I don't like it. No, that's not what <laughs> But pretty sparks conversation. We'll have a think about it anyway. Um, I think it's enough to go through. Is that everything on the picture? You tell me. I, I think I think that's all of it, right? Yeah. Good stuff. Should we wrap it up there then? Do the socials. So did the socials. Good stuff. So, as we keep saying, get in contact. There are people listening. We want to hear what you think, even if it is it's shit. As we are said are there people listening, or are there just people downloading? No, these are listens apparently. But I am curious. I'm glad you've asked that. I need to find out a bit more about the metrics. But if you are listening, please just tweet one of us or at Verbal Diary Show at Sai at Nautils. I'm listening. That'll do. That'll do me. <laughs> Tell me it's shit if you want. I don't care. I just want to know you're listening. Um, yep, you can always subscribe to us, like or rate the podcast. We've got it on Apple Music, iTunes, Spotify. I want to say YouTube, but I've realised we've not uploaded quite a few of them to YouTube. Don't say while. YouTube. Don't say YouTube. Okay, so you were available on Apple Music, Spotify, and iTunes. Get into it. Oh, and Overcast, as we've just mentioned as well. And probably Castro and various other All apps. the other ones. All the great apps. Just not YouTube. <laughs> That's a reference. Oh, okay. I missed that reference. Okay. That's it. I'm done. Are we done? We're done. Mic drop. <laughs> we've got that bit. Are you, are you still recording? Uh, not